0: Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the CenterSet podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at CenterSet. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text CenterSet to seven seven nine seven seven 77 to download. Good evening, good evening. Who's excited for church? Come on! If we have not met, my name is Ali, and four years ago, would you believe, we started in a very bougie place, the Hotel Valencia. How bougie, Pastor Allie? They had cucumbers in the water. That's how bougie it was. And then we spent our first two years and four months in one of the best hotels in the country. And we went from literally, it was just my wife and myself, to 200 people. It was a move, a miracle of God. And then we spent the next 60 weeks, like everybody in the Bay Area, online. Netflixing church. And I, I love online church. I'm so grateful for those of you watching online. And, but I, I have this saying I say all the time. Netflix church it, it, it feels, it, it sounds like fire, it looks like fire, but it lacks the heat of a real fire. Uh, there's something powerful about being in this room. And then uh, January of last year, we're excited to come back, and the Hotel Valencia like, no, uh, we have sports teams coming now. The Niners are no longer, like, the, the garbage of the the NFL, they're actually winning football teams. Their team's traveling to the hotel, and so we... We went from being at the Hotel Valencia, being online, and then we spent the last 18 months in this room. And I haven't preached on hell in 18 months because we're all experiencing it right now, amen? We don't need to talk about how hot it is. You you can feel it. And it's remarkable because so many people who have joined this church in the last year, you've never experienced our church at 11 a.m. And I want to tell you, we're going to grow very rapidly in the next six months this is the smallest this room is going to be because God did it before. He, let me say it. He's going to do it again. Amen. And uh, we are in a collection of talks, and I want to, I chose on purpose for this time, and it's this, think like a monk. Think, maybe it's on the screen, maybe it's not. Think like a monk. And I'm going to read you this text from Romans chapter 8, and then we'll jump right in. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Amen? For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. i want to spend the next couple of minutes preaching around this thought. It's on this screen, maybe. Learn to think again. Learn to, turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to think again. Turn to your neighbor that you forsaked and abandoned in church. And time, time to learn to think again. Let me pray very quickly and let's begin. God, would you meet us this, morning, this evening, God, one last time at 5 o'clock. Thank you so much for your word, Lord. We believe today it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Have your way in our lives. Change us today. Lord, transform us. Do a work in us in Jesus' name. if you believe that, everybody said... Everybody said? There was a couple that recently got married. They come back from their honeymoon, and uh, they they cook dinner for the very first time. And he's like, I'll set the table, honey, and do the vegetables, and you cook the the meat, the main course. And they finally sit down for the meal, and um, the husband notices the ham, the end of it has been cut off. He goes, honey, that's kind of interesting. Why did you cut the end of the ham off? She goes, that's just how you do it. He goes, no, no, I, I know what you did, honey, but why did you do that? She goes, that, that's how you cook a ham. She goes, that's how my mom taught me. So the husband does something very dangerous. He calls his mother-in-law. We, we have, a, a, the men in this church, we have an acronym, the M-I-L, the mother-in-law. We don't even say the, the, the name. It's the name you can't say. It's like Harry Potter. And uh, he calls the mother-in-law. Said, I, I love your daughter, but she, when she cooks the ham, she, cooked the, she cut the end of it off. Can you tell me why you She's like, that's how we cook a ham. He goes, I know that's what you did, but why do you do that? Because that's what we've always done. That's how my mom taught me. So now this, this husband is super curious. His wife does this. His mother-in-law does this. Now his G.M.I.L. does this. Grandmother-in-law, come on. <laughs> Three generations, he's calling. He calls his grandmother and says, huh, ma'am, I love your, your granddaughter. I love your daughter. I just need to know, please, why do you cut the end of the ham off? She goes, oh, honey, that's so easy. Back in the day when I was growing up, my oven was too small. (laughs) So the only way that the oven would fit, the hand would fit in the oven, I had to cut the end off. Isn't that amazing that we have three generations doing the exact same thing, and they don't know why they're doing it. They're just doing it out of habit, doing it because they just think they're supposed to do it. And I just believe by faith that we are starting a new collection of talks called Think Like a Monk. Because listen, we're not just changing buildings. The goal is to change mindsets. My question for you this evening is what's your spiritual ham? What's that thing that you do that you don't even know why you do it? For some of you, you've always been insecure. You can't look people in the eye. For some of you, you'll never try that outfit because your friends can, but you don't have the confidence to do that. For some of you, you'll never approach your boss demanding that he pay you what you deserve because you're afraid. And you've lived your life, this whole life, with cutting the end of the ham off, walking out of the blessing that God wants to give you because that's just the way you've always done it. And God wants to not just change us in from locations. Listen, he wants to change our mindsets. And God wants to change your life. But the only way to change your life is he changes the way you think. Amen. That's what, that's what this collection of talks all about, To Think Like a Monk. It's a book by Jay Shetty, and it was a bestseller. And the reason why I named this collection of talks Think Like a Monk, because I saw way too many of my Christian friends reading this book. And I'm like, oh my God, that is such a good book. I'm like, no, this is a better book, amen. God wants to bless you, He wants to transform you, He has breakthroughs and miracles He wants to give you, but He can't give them to you until you change the way that you think. If you want to change your life, Change the way that you think. Your thoughts are powerful. That's why I love Proverbs 20, verse 7. It says, as a man thinketh. I love the King James Version. As a man thinketh. It's a handmaid's tale up in this verse right here. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What's he saying? Your thoughts are powerful. They direct your life. If you want to change the direction of your life, change the way that you think. This is why the enemy, he doesn't throw punches. He throws lies. The battle with the enemy is never in a ring or on a war field. It's between your ears. It's always a battle for your mind. That's why I love the words of, of Paul in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, for we wrestle not with flesh and blood. It's not in a ring. It's not on a war field. It's not in a battlefield. But against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against this spiritual. Someone say spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The enemy wants to attack you. He doesn't do it with a fist or a knife or a gun. He does it with shame. He does it with fear. He does it with insecurity. He does it with condemnation. And too many Christians are trying to fight an external battle that can only be won in internal. If you want to change your life, if you want to stop cutting the end of the ham off and live a different life, you've got to think before you think. I wrote it down like this. Think about what you're thinking about. Too many Christians are just doing, that's, that's just the way I've always done it, Pastor. That's not what God's will for you is. And one of the most dangerous things that Christians can do is allow their mind to wander. Just every thought that comes in, you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's what I'm I'm not talking about imagination and creativity. I'm talking about a wandering mind. And what you don't realize is when you have a wandering mind and you just let these thoughts that just come in, they're not from you. You are not what you think, by the way. You're who God says that you are. And just because you think it doesn't make it true. It's too often we just let our mind wander. What is meant to bless you externally will torment you internally. I've done seven weddings at this church. And sometimes I speak with the husband, sometimes privately. He's like, oh, my gosh, best day of my life. And then they will privately confess. But Pastor Ali, I'm still lonely. Talk to people who, who finally got the job of their dreams. They're a director. Or they're a senior software engineer, whatever you want to call it. Yet they'll confess, I, I still feel insignificant. And people will save up for the vacation of their dreams. Maybe it's, it's Europe. Maybe it's Disneyland in, in Italy or something or, or, or Paris. And they'll finally get there and, like, I still don't have the rest that I'm looking for. Why is that the case? Listen, your life is not just directed by your thoughts, so are your feelings. Your feelings. You, you feel the way you do because you think the way that you do. If you don't believe me, anyone ever have a bad day and then go to Netflix and watch a comedy to cheer yourself up? And you, Because you put that comedy in your spirit, you think differently. But the vice versa is also true. You're having a great day, spirit-filled day, and you watch the wrong thing? Oh, you're done. Remember during the pandemic, I watched more TV in 2020, let me tell you, than the previous decade combined. Now, the first two years, my wife and I married, we didn't even have a TV because we wanted to talk instead of watch TV. I still remember all the shows, Tiger King, Handmaid's Tale, Ozarks. Uh, We watched a show called Love is Blind where they would like fall in love between a wall. I remember that show. I watched all nine of the Star Wars from beginning to end all over again. And remember there was this one night I was bored. Out of my mind with these dramas. I wanted a horror movie. I wanted my booty to go, "Mm," you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) hadn't done that in a long time. And Pastor Yaz is like, I'm done. I'm not, it's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm not watching. I'm not putting that thing in my spirit. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. Go to bed. So I'm watching this movie about these six dudes that are in the, I don't even remember the name of the movie. I just remember it was demonic. These six dudes go to the mountains. And one by one, they like disappear. And their cell phones don't work. And by the end of the movie, it was crazy how demonic, it's crazy that Hollywood will preach about spiritual warfare and the church doesn't. Come on, can we preach about spiritual warfare next year? Can we do that? So at the end of this movie, these, these five guys that were missing, they're bowing down and worshiping this creature. And I'm like, dude, I'm a 40-year-old man. I'm married. I have two kids. I am not going to bed tonight. <laughs> I, I am terrified out of my mind. I'm a pastor, and I'm filled with fear, not faith. I, I leave the, 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 the lights on in the hallway because I'm afraid to walk down it in the dark. Why? Because what was meant to bless me externally is now tormenting me internally. One of the worst things you can do is let your mind wander. You got to think about what you're thinking about. Amen? And uh, what, what I love is that God wants to give you a mindset. See, this is like Zoroastrianism is a religion that comes out of the Middle East. And says, think good, do good, be good. And salvation is achieved by thinking good thoughts. This is not that kind of collection of talks. I'm not trying to give you positive vibes. Come on. I'm trying to give you Jesus. And Jesus says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give them life and life abundantly. Did anybody believe that this morning? And the gospel is not I just think good thoughts. Is that Jesus dies on a cross for us and he wants to offer us this other life. Amen? But one of the blessings that God wants to give you is a mindset. I wrote down like this: a mindset is a set of beliefs that shape how you listen, think, feel, and behave. It it, it doesn't just direct your life; it directs your feeling. It's a mood. It's an attitude. Wives, I'm going to change the attitude of your husband. You're welcome. It's going to be a good sermon series, collection of talks around mindsets. So some of you in this room, you have a scarcity mindset. God wants to give you an abundant mindset. Can I just preach for a second? God is not the God of just maybe or just enough. He's the God of more than enough. And so often I, I, when I pastor people, they don't give financially, not out of greed, but out of fear. Because they have a scarcity mindset, not an abundant mindset. There's a scared mindset versus a confident mindset. I want to place you that the righteous are as bold as a lion. There's a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And what I love about Romans chapter 8, which is so interesting about this text, it gives us tension, this mindset that the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life. And it's this tension, these two mindsets. And what's so interesting is I speak in a room full of people on a variety of spectrum. Some people are pastors in this room. Some people are leaders in this room. Some people are part of the dream team. Who's part of the dream team? Come on, make some noise. You're the army, you're the, 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 the army of the church. You, everything that's set up is done by the dream team. Can we just give them a hand? God bless you guys. But then at the same time, there are people that are exploring faith in this room. There are people that your husband invited you, you want to be here. I'm just here so I don't get fined, as the great Marshawn Lynch would say. But yet Paul, when he wrote Romans chapter 8, he was speaking to a singular audience, a converted group of believers, that these believers were born again that they had a new heart, new desires. They had the spirit of God. And what is so crazy, just because your heart is renewed does not mean your mind is. And he's warning them, you've been given a new desires, new heart, new direction. You're going to heaven, but your mind's in the gutter, so you're living hell on earth. Your mind is on the flesh, but God wants to give you a mind that's on the spirit. It's time to think about what you're thinking about. And God wants to just, not just remove bad thoughts and put in no he wants to give you a new mindset a new way of looking at the world new way of looking at him and new way of looking at yourself every day I have my daughters pray this prayer God God loves me he's for me he's got my back I'm called I'm anointed I'm the head and not the tail I'm a butt why am I I want them to have a mindset of a leader. Because when they say it enough, eventually, maybe when they're 10, maybe when they're 11, they'll finally believe it. That's the thing that what God wants to tell you. Your whole life you've been cutting off the end of that that ham. Not knowing because your parents told you, culture told you. God wants to tell you, no, 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 no. There's a different way I want you to cook this thing. I want to give you a new mindset. Someone say a new mindset. And I'm really hoping that when we change buildings, we can leave this old mindset behind and walk into what God has for us. Amen? I got a lot of scriptures today, so one of the things that uh, we haven't talked about, but if you text to 97,000, bold notes, you get all, I got a lot of verses. If you don't, if you're super fast with your fingers and want to take pictures, you can, but if you don't, they're available for free. Three things I want to give you to have this new mindset of the spirit. Number one is this. Learn to think again. You have to remove. Someone say remove. Say it. It's five o'clock. It's our last service. Who's joyful? Someone say, remove. Come on, remove. There are things that you got to do that you have to remove before you add them. If you read any books on habits or forming new habits like Atomic Habits or Mini Habits or maybe Michael Hyatt's book on your best life now starting and creating New Year's resolutions, every chapter in that book is about how do you walk out new habits. How do you, and so often they'll give you all these tips and tricks where you put them on the fridge so you see them, how you review them every week. But the very first chapter of all three books is the things that you just stop doing. To create margin in your life to do the things that you actually want to do. Before you start, you got to stop. And so many people don't realize that, that I, I'm just clicking on all these ideas that come into my head. No, no, no. There are some things that come into your mind that are you are not what you think. You're not every thought that comes to your head. Sometimes it's the enemy. You need to learn to not click those thoughts. Uh, how many people in this room consume content on YouTube? I'm a huge Do you know that the number one search engine in the world is Google? The number two search engine in the world is YouTube. When people want to learn how to do something, they don't go to Facebook or Instagram or even TikTok. I know some of you 20-year-olds are having a heart attack right now. They go to YouTube, how do I cook the perfect egg? Or how do I make my wife... I don't know, a souffle. They go to YouTube to learn how to do those things. And uh, if you ever watch YouTube on a TV, it's a very different experience than when you watch on a computer. There's like all these pop-up ads when you're watching on a computer. It's like super demonic. And if you ever, God forbid you ever click one of these links here go down this rabbit hole where there's a conspiracy. There's, do you ever see the, the advertisement where this 20-year-old kid invented a new AC unit that's going to put the AC units in America out of business? It's like, oh my gosh, yes, I spent 20 minutes watching the video. <laughs> Cannot believe I did that. But what, what you have to do is you have to find the little X in the pop-up ad. And if you don't, you can't remove the ad. And what I want to tell you is that not every thought that comes into your head, you can't control it. In the same way I can't control the pop-up ads on YouTube. You can't control the shame, the condemnation, the lies, the accusations the enemy gives you. But you can X out of them. Amen? You got to learn. Not every thought that comes into your head is needed. It doesn't need to be repeated. You need to remove it. Someone say remove. Which is why the Apostle Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 16. No temptation. Someone say No temptation. You need to understand there's a difference between temptation and testing. Temptation will, will inflare your flesh, testing will f- inflare your spirit. Temptation is what you want right now. The spirit, a, tempt- a test, is what you've always wanted. A test is from God. God will test you in your spirit, in your integrity, He'll test your character. Temptation, Will test your longings, your void, that hole in your heart that you so desperately need. One is meant to build you up, one is meant to tear you down. One comes from God, one comes from the devil. And what the scriptures are saying is when, not if, when the devil is coming after you, and they're not tests, they're temptations designed by God. That He's gonna plant a thought in your mind to take you out. No temptation. Has seized you except what is common to man and God is faithful. Can we just say, God is faithful? Someone say, God is faithful. We can just have a three point sermon. God is faithful. Point number two, God is faithful. And for those that went to public school, point number three, God is faithful. Amen? God is so faithful that no matter the test, no matter the temptation, he, look what it says, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Yes, he's a good, good father. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. So that you could stand up against it. Let me modernize this translation. Every time the enemy comes with pop-up ads of lies, of shame, of condemnation, our God is so good, he'll put a little X so you can X out of it. You don't need to click on shame anymore. You don't need to click on fear anymore. You don't need to click on condemnation anymore. You don't need to click on insecurity anymore. You don't need to click on comparison anymore. You don't need to live it with jealousy, with insecurity, with this less than attitude. But Pastor Ali, I've always cut it this way. You don't need to do that anymore. You need to remove, someone say remove, this way of thinking. And Paul, he wants to give you, Peter wants to give you, if you do this, he'll show you the byproduct. 1 Peter chapter 2, therefore, rid yourselves, a.k.a. remove. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, and every kind, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk which is the word of god by the way so that you may grow up anybody want to grow up you got to change your mindset you can't think the way you've always thought. Maturity is not achieved by coming to church. Even though I want you to do that, it's one of the things that will help you. maturitys this text is saying if you want to mature, you got to stop thinking like the way the world thinks. The world wants to give you a mindset. Jesus wants to give you one too. The world wants to tell you do money like this. Jesus wants to tell you a different way of doing money. The world wants to say they hurt you, they stabbed you in the back, unfollow them. Block them on Instagram. Jesus wants to Bless your enemies and forgive them. There's a way that children walk and there's a way that mature Christians walk. It has less to do with activity. Listen, it has more to do with what you are removing. It's a mindset that God wants to remove. Uh, I remember when I first came to Christ, one of the first battles that God had me remove from my life was this idea, I need alcohol. I, I need this language. Maybe you've heard it before, liquid courage. Come on. So, but, but, but I couldn't talk to girls. I, I needed the confidence. And the only way I could have that conversation, the only way I could walk across the room is I needed to drink. And it wasn't like, like I just had to, like, have more willpower. And we just believed this. Light. Like, man, let me tell you, there's this book, Atomic Habits, so powerful. It talks about how the, the guy who's, like, number one in the world in CrossFit has the same amount of willpower as the guy who's overeating on the couch. Because you don't fall to the level of your willpower. You fall to the level of your systems. The guy that's CrossFit, he has removed all the bad eating options from his house. And he's knowing I'm weak. I'm not going to pick right. So I'm going to remove those options in the same way. I didn't say I'm going to go to the bar with my friends and not drink. Guess how many times that failed? Every time. So I removed myself because I needed to remove that mindset. I can't be here anymore. I'm not strong enough. This is not a strength thing. This is a removal thing. And there are too many men that walk thinking, oh, I'm going to be that Christian, missionary Christian in the club. No, bro, you're going to be an idiot up in the club. That's what you're going to be. I can't tell you the number of men that confess they watch pornography. I'm like, bro, do you sleep with your cell phone under your pillow like my precious? Yes, how would you know? No wonder you watch it late at night because you you have the option late at night. And the goal is not, man, I just need to get stronger in my willpower. No, you you need to remove the option. That's why you're dropping. That's why you're failing. It's not because you're weak or you're you're small or or, or you're not strong enough. It's you need to remove it. And some of you don't realize this. You've been walking the same way your whole life. And if you want to walk the life that God has for you, if you want to change your life, you need to remove. Someone say remove. But there are some of you in this room that will say, Pastor Allie, I've always been insecure. I've always been a person that's been afraid. I've never been able to look a guy in the eyes. I've never been bold enough to like ask my boss to give me more opportunities. It feels like, Pastor Allie, if I'm honest. It feels like I'm stuck. God's word has a solution for that. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For although we walk in the flesh... We are not waging war. This is war language. Notice how many times he's talking about a battle or a war. We are not waging war according to the flesh. You're not going to overcome that habit by trying harder. Here's the key. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. You don't need to read a book on habits to change, although they will help. But they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Someone say strongholds. We destroy arguments of every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish disobedience when your obedience is complete. Paul is giving this theology, this doctrine, that the reason some of you are stuck is not because you're not trying hard enough to get out. But yet you have built in your house a stronghold, a house in your brain that is preventing you from walking out the will of God. A stronghold is this. I wrote down like this. A stronghold is anything that's stopping you from getting God's truth into your spirit. Anytime you say, well, that's the way I've always been. Well, that's the way my mom taught me. Well, I've never. Anytime you find yourself justifying broken behavior it's an indication you have a stronghold in that area. Uh, any, If you're honest today, I know we're in church, so you, if you lie, God's going to know. Anyone, when they're growing up, their parents kind of beat them, like, like with a hand, like, come on, thank you. Anyone that had nice parents and they put them in timeout? Anyone in the room, your parents would beat you so hard they had to put you in timeout so people didn't see the bruises? Come on. Oh, I'm the only one. This is why this is one or two, thank God. This is therapy for me. What Paul is saying is you don't beat those lies. You don't put that that lie in timeout. You capture it, you destroy it, and you put it in eternal timeout. Some of you coddle your fear of man. Some of you coddle your insecurity. I've always been insecure. My dad, no, no, no. Paul is saying you go to war against that lie. That lies it's a stronghold that's holding you back. God wants to bless you, but your mindset is holding you back from walking out the will of God. Listen, what, what, what Deepak Chopra, what Tony Robbins, all they did is they took the scriptures, literally, all they did was take the scriptures and take Jesus out of it, and they're helping people. How do I know? Because I've read their books. Jesus wants to give you a new mindset, and if you want the abundant life, you need an abundant mindset. And too many people, you're walking in brokenness because your mindset is broken. You don't need a new church. You don't need a new Bible. You need a new way of thinking. When you change the way you think, you're going to change the way you live. Amen? God wants to change your life. I wrote down this question like this. What are some things that you need to remove? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's some habits in your life. Maybe it's thought patterns. God wants your mind to be on the spirit because the, the mind on the flesh is death, but the mind on the spirit is life and peace. The first thing you gotta do is remove. Someone shout remove. Renew. Second thing you gotta do is renew. Someone say renew. renew. You, gotta, you need to renew. The first thing is about removing it, and taking it out. The second thing is about changing. It's there, but you gotta change the way it is. And there was a study that I read, so powerful, so powerful. In 2005, let me read you this study. The average person has up to 60,000 thoughts a day. Now check this out. 80% of our thoughts, this is across the room, are negative. 80% of all of our thoughts. Why? Because it's easier to think negativity than it's positivity. And then it gets worse. Check out this statistic. 95% of the thoughts that you think today, you thought yesterday. You know what that means? It's easy to rethink what you've always been thinking. The reason you're an alcoholic is because your dad's been alcoholic, his grandfather was alcoholic. That's just the way everyone does it. And you don't realize those thought patterns are being passed down. God wants to renew the way that you think, which is why the apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they would kill an animal as a dying sacrifice. In the New Testament, I offer my body every day to Jesus as a living sacrifice. This is holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. It's not the songs that we sing with Stacy and Ethan. It's the life child that we bring to Jesus. That's worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, someone say then. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What God is, want, he's giving us two steps. The first thing is don't conform. And then not only don't do that, you need to renew your mind to be transformed. And uh, this idea of not being conformed to the pattern of this world, it's this idea, This is, it's this Greek word for like clay. Like they would take a piece of clay and they would push it in a mold and then they'd pull it out and it looked like everything else. So imagine if I had all this like round clay, I'd put it in the mold and they'd all look the same. Spiritually speaking, this world wants you to think like everybody else, vote like everybody else, do life like everybody else. They want you to be the same as them. If you're not, you're not following. them they'll put peer pressure on you to be like everybody else. And what the Word of God is saying is, don't follow the pattern of this world. Follow Jesus. The problem, though, is that it's very easy for us to be conformed. Uh, my my daughters, they love Plato. Any parents sick of Plato being stuck in the carpet and on the couch? No one's willing to raise their hand. That's fine. I'll just suffer here by myself. Uh, we, We created this rule in our home where our girls, there's a six year old and a three year old, they're not allowed to play with Play Doh in the house. So instead, they play with them in the garage. And have you ever watched a three year old clean up Play Doh? It's not really cleaning up anything. 're just they 're mixing colors they're stuffing it in, and then they're shrapnel everywhere, which means for the next two weeks you 're going to be stepping on play-doh and it doesn 't matter if my daughter makes a flower or a panda bear or like a, like a fruit, the moment I step on it, the moment my pressure steps on it and crushes that play-doh and I look at the bottom of my foot, it is no longer what it looks like it 's a spiritual picture of what God wants to say God doesn't want. Plato Christians in 2022. Too many of you in this room, you just allow the world to step on you and crush you and make you look like the pattern on the bottom of this, on this foot. And God wants something different for you. How, Pastor Ali, do, do I not conform to the pattern of this world but be renewed by the, the transforming of my mind? How do I do that? The Bible doesn't tell you what to do. It's implying. Instead of getting the world's thoughts in your head, get God's thoughts in your head. You renew your mind on this. Here's my challenge: Do you spend half? half it may make it easier. One tenth the time you do on social media as you do on this, because the average person in this room, just, just saying, because I'm one of them, spends about two to three hours. That's twenty to thirty minutes that you would need to spend on this. My question is: Are we even doing that? And and so often, what because we have this zeal, this passion to like follow God and walk after him, we, we fall into two extremes. The first is what I call separatism. Someone say separatism. This is a heart that loves God, that wants to follow God, but doesn't want to be conformed to the pattern of this world. So what do you do? You separate. I'm going to have someone who's a Christian cut my hair. I'm going to have a Christian real estate agent. I'm going to have a Christian who cleans my home. I'm going to put a sticker on the back of my car so everyone knows that I'm a Christian. And the goal is, I am separating from sin because sin's out there. Yet the gospel says that sin's actually in here. Yeah. And you can never separate enough. The motive is good, the methods are wrong. Yeah. Then there's another Christian. They are pushed by the peer pressures of the world. They want to follow Jesus, but they still want to be cool. They want to come to church, but they want all their friends and family. So what they do is called synchronism. They, they, they say all the Christianese language oh my gosh, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Are you covered in the blood? <laughs> they say all these weird Christian things, but when you get down to it, they do life like the world. They do money like the world. They, it's not, I'm not talking about morality. I'm talking about mindsets. That you fear the things that they fear. That you worry the same that that thing. You define success the way that the world defines success. You define leadership the way that the world defines leadership. That you have to be number one. You have to be CEO or you're a failure. The, the gospel is a paradox. And Jesus says you want to be number 1? You don't need a title. You need a towel. Cuz leaders in my kingdom they serve. You want to prosper? You got to be generous cuz the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You want glory? You want honor? You got to get low. If I can quote the l- little John, you got to get low, get low. <laughs> you got to suffer. And this is what Satan offered Jesus. You, I'll make you number one in the kingdom. Just bow down and worship me. Jesus says, no, there's no glory without the cross. There's no honor without suffering. It's a paradox. It's this theological word called sanctification. And it slaps separatism and synchronism. And it's this healthy tension in between. That I, I, I'm, I'm called to be in the world, but not of the world. I'm, I'm called to be around non-believers, but I, I, I'm not going to think like non Non-believers. I'm the light of the world, so I'm not going to hide my light under a a box. I'm going to live like a city on top of a hill. It's this paradox. It's countercultural. I I can't pull away because I need to be around them. But when I am around them, I'm not going to let their way of doing life rub on me. I'm going to rub off on them. And the only way you can do that is if you spend enough time on this that when you do go out, they don't affect you. It's called sanctification. And so many times you need a new mindset. It's remove and then renew. Someone say renew, and then there's this third one. Oh, let me say this one thought. It's on the screen. The goal is not just to think a new thought. The goal is to think a God thought. See, there's this term that scientists are not calling neuroplasticity. In the scriptures. This was written 2,000 years ago. The the, the book of Proverbs was written 4,000 years ago. There's this theme that God wants to change, not just the way that you live. He wants to change the way that you think. And so often doctors now are finding validity in what the scriptures have been saying for over 4,000 years. And what the Bible calls renewing your mind, being transformed in your mind, the, the doctors and scientists called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity says this, that, you can, that through your environments, through decision-making, you can change your brain. Your brain is malleable. I know you broke up in a broken home around your parents, and they didn't believe God. They didn't believe in, in, in being generous. But God says no matter what home you grew up in, no matter what office you work at, God can change the way that you think. It says that you can think new thoughts and new thoughts bring new habits and new habits bring a new life. What the world calls neuroplasticity, the Bible calls renewing your mind. Amen? And the third way that God wants to do is this. Reset. Someone say reset. The word reset means to go back to the beginning. It means to, to do it again. And sometimes when The best way to explain this is like a hiking analogy. You ever walked on a hiking trail? The the, the path that people have walked on, that, that trail is worn. It's smooth. And for many people, the way that you've done faith, the way that you've done your life, you've walked that path so many times. It's so easy to walk down fear. It's so easy to walk down insecurity. But when you want to create a new trail, when you want to reset and create a new path, it's hard in the beginning. Faith doesn't make sense. So often the world says, live pure, live by your purpose. The kingdom says, live by purity. Like, man, I got to live differently. I got to keep my pants on. I, I, I can't lie and steal my way to the top of the mountain. And it's hard to walk a new path. It's not, doesn't feel normal. It's not your default. But the more that you do it, the more that you reset and create that new path, the easier it becomes. And I wrote down like this. So when the idea of renew comes, it's not just for new seasons. It's for a new life. Some things that God wants to show you, he wants you to do it again and again and again. I remember when I was a kid growing up, the, the best Christmas I ever had was when my parents got me a Nintendo. Some of you are too young. You think I'm praying in tongues right now. It's a video game system. It was awesome. Way better than like Call of Duty on the PS5 thing or whatever. And this Nintendo was amazing because they had this like state-of-the-art technology called the Nintendo Power Pad. And it was this pad with, like, these red dots. And if you had this game for the Olympics, you could be, like, total nerd and, like, not use your hands to play video games. You could actually use your feet. It was amazing. But I'm the nerd of nerds, so I figured out the hack. You just get on the ground, and you pound it with your hands. And I remember I was beating my friend, and he didn't want his record, his undefeated record, to be saved So he pressed reset on the Nintendo. Dirty. (laughs) What I want to convince some of you is God wants you to spiritually reset. He wants you to go back to who you were and remember where were you when you first met Jesus? What did he bring you out of? What was the addictions that dominated your life? What was the mentality? How much anger did you have? How much unforgiveness did you have? What was the thing that God broke you from, from a life of fear to a life of faith, from a life of insecurity to a life of confidence, to a life of brokenness and addiction, to a life of freedom and joy? And when you want to walk the abundant life out, it requires an abundant mindset, which requires three things. To remove those negative thoughts that are holding you back, that are not from God, they're from the devil. You got to renew your mind, and then you got to reset here to go back to the beginning. And go back to the things that you first did. Jesus, what he did on a cross for us was the great spiritual reset. That no matter what mistake, no matter what your flaws, no matter how big you've sinned, no matter the things that you're even afraid to talk about in church, God forgave it. So that everyone in this room could be given a second chance. It's the spiritual reset, and he offers it in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says this. Therefore, there's no condemnation from the shame, from the, from the guilt, from all the mistakes that we've made that we're embarrassed sometimes to even talk about. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. you got to reset. you got to go back to where you were. This doesn't mean I don't fall down. I'm not preaching perfection. I'm preaching progress. The Bible says the righteous man falls down seven times, but he gets back up. I came to encourage some people that are not living the life that they want. God wants to not change your life. He doesn't want to change your marriage. He doesn't want to change your job. He wants to change your mindset. Because when he gives you a new mind, you'll get the new life. If you can bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for every person in this room. These are the real ones, God. These are the ones that suffer through 90-degree weather in this room. They didn't just do it for one month or one week or even one year, 18 months. God, thank you for those that have been watching us faithfully online, that it's been difficult and challenging for them to come in the room. I pray, God, that you would speak to them to come back to the Campbell Community Center. But, God, we're not just changing buildings. We're changing mindsets. We're not going to just do the things we've always done. We're not going to resume life. We're going to reset it. We're getting a new mindset. And our mindset that comes from you, Jesus, this abundant mindset is the key to the abundant life. God, teach us how to remove these negative thoughts. God, teach us how to renew our mind, how to think heavenly thoughts, how to be transformed by the renewing of of our mind. it doesn't happen in one day, it happens every single day. God, remind us how to go back to the beginning, back to you, Jesus, back to the reset. I just feel so led to pray for some of you that maybe are spiritually in your heart, you're exploring faith, maybe you're far from God, and you're wondering what Christianity is all about. Christianity is not about doing anything or thinking anything, because Jesus did it all. He came as a man, even though he was God. He lived a sinless life, even though he was perfect in nature. He became sin on a cross, not just to give you new thoughts, but to take your sin upon himself so that he could be punished, so that he could pay your penalty of sin. Why? Because in his death, it's the key to our life. He stopped thinking so you can think a new thought. He was cursed so that you could be blessed. He died so that you could be alive. It's this great exchange. And so much of salvation is about receiving, not just his finished work on a cross, but receiving the mindsets that he wants to give you. But some of you, you can't receive these mindsets of the spirit versus the flesh because you have not yet started a relationship with the living God, Jesus. That's you with every eye closed and every head bowed, and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, and you've never prayed this prayer before. I'm going to count to three, and then I want you to just shoot your hand up. You're not saying yes to me. You're not saying yes to the church. You're saying yes to Jesus. One. Two, three. Shoot your hand up if that's you. Amen. I see your hand. Just everyone pray this out loud. Thank you, Jesus, for leaving heaven for me. Thank you that you lived the life I couldn't live. And then you died the death I should have died. I repent. Turn from my flesh and I come to you, Jesus. Give me your spirit. Give me the mindset of Christ. Let me think the way that you think, Jesus, so I can live the life that you want me to live. I love you, Lord. Thank you for dying for me. Come on, can we clap for the hand that went up?